welcome to the Progressing Lives Everywhere podcast, brought to you by Amoria Bond. In each episode, Amoria Bond will interview a prominent leader from across their specialist STEM sectors to discuss their personal experiences of progression and share invaluable insights and inspiring anecdotes of what progression means to them. This is Progressing Lives Everywhere. Welcome to the Amori Bond Progressing Lives podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Walsh. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by Peter Jarvis. Peter began his career in design engineering after achieving a master's in engineering, manufacturing and business development at Coventry University. He achieved national recognition for his master's being presented with the Numerical Science Award. Peter is now the owner and managing director of the Context Group of Companies who provide specialist services for many prestigious automotive blue chip clients. Context operates as an international business with an annual turnover in excess of 70 million over seven sites in the UK, Germany, Slovakia, the Ukraine and the US. Peter has received many accolades throughout his career, including the Coventry Telegraph Business Awards Business Entrepreneur of the Year in 2017. Thank you very much for joining me, Peter. I'm delighted to have you. Pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. No problem. So why don't you kick us off, Peter, by explaining to us what what does progression mean to you? Well, progression to me is, is everything. I think it's the fuel to ignite your excitement, passion, desire to succeed. And it's a little bit like I always explain it, like watering a flower, you need progression to actually fulfill your inner self and your long-term requirements. And who would you say is your progression inspiration? I thought long and hard about this question in terms of progression inspiration for myself. And I found it really difficult, but I think I really scaled it down to say it's Winston Churchill. And, And the reason for that is that I think, first of all, he was in the right place at the right time and a requirement for his skills, but the, he was a driven individually, very focused on influencing and inspiring people to achieve and fundamentally excel. Yeah, absolutely. So when you say kind of right place, right time, I guess, could you expand on that a little bit more? Well, it's obviously in the going back in time in history, he was, he was in the backbenches, but he was recognised as an inspirational individual with the with core capabilities. And those core capabilities may have not been the, the mainstead day-to-day requirements, but because the country was going into a, a war scenario or in a war scenario, it recognised that we needed someone very inspiring and very able to develop and lead the country forward. And, and I guess in terms of Winston Churchill being an inspiration for as a progression story, is there anything, I guess, from his story that particularly resonated with you in terms of application throughout your career and your life? Very much so. I think the thing I take from, from his teaching through history is his drive, his ability to keep going and never to accept no. If you fail, keep going. Failure was a good thing. And I think that's one of the key success criteria that successful people have in their tool set. Failure was a good thing as long as you learn from it and then become better at what you do. Yeah, 
Absolutely, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Was it? It was Winston Churchill who said, "If you're going through hell, keep going." I think is is that the saying? <laughs> uh, I think I think that's very correct, and I think that's also you could describe that as predominantly in my sector, in the automotive sector. There's a lot of years where you could actually understand a lot of truths from that um, from that quote. Brilliant. So I guess moving on to the the next question, let's talk about your personal progression journey. So. Tell me about the approach that you've taken with your career. My approach is very, very much a simplistic approach, really. I come from a, a normal background. I wasn't a massive high, high achiever. I was a good high average at school. I don't think I really applied my skills at school. I think I, I started to do that as I, as I went through my career. But I knew that I wanted to achieve something in my life. And my differentiator for me is that I continued to train myself through the different roles and jobs that I had in my own time fundamentally. So all my degrees have been done in my own time. And I ended up, it was scary when you asked me to get involved with this, I've done 24 years, consecutive years of education from since leaving school. Oh, wow. (laughs) And, And that, at all levels, right up to, you know, three degrees, is the key enabler or has been the key enabler to demonstrate my drive and my desire to succeed in the different positions that I've held throughout my career, really. Where do you think that, I guess, the drive to continue your your self-development and your learning sounds like something that's, you know, was, was in you from an early age. Where do you think that came from? And that's another good question. To me, that's quite a personal question, and I will answer it because I never really understood the answer until recently. And the reason for it is I was adopted at birth and I didn't really associate that what that actually, the impact that had on me. And it made me someone that had to be better than everyone else around him. And that got stronger as I got older. And whether that was in sport, and I think that was what what I was like when I was younger. And then it made me very, very ambitious and I can only say it was a fire that was in me to be better than all my peers and everyone around me. And that's what I wanted to do, to make me feel equal. And I know there's a lot of psychoanalysis experts out there who would say, yeah, there's a lot of successful people that are orphans that would say a similar thing. But that has been my key drive. I now have achieved that and I now feel complete. But it took me a long while. And I would say it's only the last three years that I've actually achieved that completeness. That's amazing. Thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. And when you were, I guess, right at the, the beginning of your, your career path, did you always know what you wanted to do for a career? How, how did that shape up? I think anyone, any successful individual would have short-term goals, setting of, of goals, achieving those goals, realigning those goals. So to answer that question, no, I never knew what my overriding capabilities were ultimately going to to become uh, as well as, as as my career. But what I did know is that I am a massive believer in having a plan for a plan, preparing, over-preparing, and then executing that plan, and then developing that plan as you go forward. So my progression that I've always looked at would have a three-year plan, and then I'd move on. Yeah, that makes sense. And how did you get into to engineering? I went into engineering from, from school, so I did an apprenticeship 
with British Aerospace. It was either that or going to the RAF, and I wasn't clever enough in terms of passing the aptitude test to to be a pilot, which is what I wanted to do. So I went, I know I had a love of planes, and so hence why I had ended up having an apprenticeship at British Aerospace. And then British Aerospace at the time acquired British Leyland MG Rover, MG Rover, and that was my transition then into automotive, into cars. And I've been in cars all my life since in terms of the automotive sector. And was it Jaguar Land Rover that you went to following that? Is that right? Yeah, I was. I ended up as a chief engineer responsible for running car programs from concept through to launch. And then from that point, I then progressed to context. It was a big gamble coming to context when I did. Context turned over three million back in 2002 when I joined context. And, you know, we've had a lot of success and we've got an exciting couple of years ahead as well in terms of what our diversification and our expansion plans are. How did the context opportunity come about? I was headhunted because I was... Fundamentally, my background is all things engineering, both in manufacturing and design. And uh, I was headhunted and asked if I wanted to take a, a shareholding in the company. It was a big risk for me at the time because of the size of the business. But again, successful people, there's, there's key points in anyone's career where you look back and you think that was a big risk. And I think there's some bigger risks along your anyone's career that you have to take if you really want to springboard forward. But it's all about believing in yourself, believing in your capabilities and your desire, which is all underpinned by hard work. As long as you've got that with a bit of luck along the way and keep planning and trying and trying and trying, you will get there. It's not easy. It's really hard work. And it sounds like the risk has paid off, <laughs> which is always positive. Yeah, it, it, it has. Uh, but I, I think, to be honest, if you said to me, what's the most important thing in if you've gone through your career? The most important thing to me is achievement. Achievement is the fuel that, that keeps me going day on day. I don't want to retire. I, I need achievement. And I like stress in a controlled environment. It makes me feel alive. Wealth and all the rest of the other things, they come along with the journey of achievement. But it's not wealth that drives me. It's um, it, it is succeeding and being seen to succeed and getting the recognition from that. Yeah, because I think, yeah, it's, it's a discussion we have a lot within our industry in terms of what, what drives and motivates people. And it's, it can be quite different across the board for different people. But yeah, achievement and that, that progression and, like you say, recognition normally kind of comes out on, on top for a lot. Brilliant. And then I guess along the way so far in your in your journey, what have been kind of the, the key highlights for you along the way so far? Key highlights are the fact that we're able to diversify in times of extreme distress, diversify for objective reasons. I, I draw a summary or conclusions to COVID. We we went into COVID. We had a downturn in the automotive sector with, with some clients. I have to say that we are massively into technology and the technology clients associated with 4.0, which, all, which is all about electric vehicle technology, design, 
for new platforms we are heavily involved with. So we've seen a big area of success there. But it's also we've diversified into the medical sector now. We are now a gold first-year supplier in the medical sector, and we are really, really actively expanding in that sector. That has been done in lockdown. We achieved um, support from the government, and we were encouraged to use our skills in another sector to differentiate that sector. And that's worked really, really well. So we look back in the, in the automotive sector, we, and we learn from recessions because we've had so many recessions in automotive. But each, each time it's about learning. So I then go back in time into 2006, and we diversified into the marine sector. And again, that went really well. So it's it's all about how we diversify, how we optimize the opportunities, or how do we make opportunities to ensure that we continue to expand and we continue to stay healthy in in in, in what we do. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like you you know you mentioned earlier. It's about not not necessarily obviously this isn't a failure, but it's how I guess you approach the challenging times and come out of them the other end that make you stronger and more agile. It is very much so. I am and we are a massive believer in giving back and not just to for charities, which we do a lot of work with, but also with regards to graduates and apprentices and giving the right opportunities to younger people. We do a lot of work in schools. I'm really proud of being able to go to schools with a syllabus, teach design and engineering not just to the to the pupils, but also to the parents and also to the teachers, because there's a lot of stigmatism about engineering and in people think it's dark, it's dingy, going into factories. When they start to see the technology and te- manufacturing now is done in clean rooms where you could eat your sandwiches off the floor, exaggerating, but it's very much um, a different environment now. We need the best students and we need to develop those students from an early age. And we want to take those different students and push them through our systems. And I get a massive amount of pleasure to see them grow. And we've got our own indenture system where we provide indentures at the end of apprenticeships. And it's great. It really is good for us to see people, new people coming in and supporting our new sort of emerging business because we are going more and more virtual. And, you know, from again, from COVID, we have now accepting across the board people working from home. We feel comfortable with people working from home. The systems and in terms of computer systems working virtually now enable us to be more opportunistic in in the way we deploy our skills and our services, uh, not just in the UK, but across the globe. Absolutely. And and I think having having worked in this industry for, for a number of years myself, I think that's the, like you say, the, the graduate schemes are so important because I know what, you know, there's such a, a lack and a, and a shortage of skill sets in this in this area. So it's, yeah, super important to, to the industry, which leads me on actually quite nicely to, to my next question. So talking about, I guess, how you've progressed the lives of others throughout your, your journey. So I'd be really interested to hear, I guess, more about the the charity side of things that you you mentioned. Because of where I come from and my background, no one's actually given me anything in my in my life. So my model really is, or or, or my lesson really is, to say to everyone that's that's interested in listening to this, is that 
you can do what I've done, what I have done, as long as you want to do that. And and it is a life changing decision that you have to make, and it can take over your life at certain points. But in terms of charity, we um, support a charity called Zoe's Place Children's Hospice, and I'm the national patron of of Zoe's Place now, and I've been doing this over the last five to uh, five to six years. It's all about um, helping children from the age of zero to five with terminally ill illnesses that need special care support, both with regards to the child and also of the parents as well. We do a lot of activities. We do balls, we do golf events, we do jumping out of planes. And we, we encourage people from throughout the context network, as well as our key clients. We can't we can't do enough, but we have to sort of we can only do what we can do in terms of the amount of time that's available to us. As well as that, I'm involved with the variety, children's variety, and the, chair, the business chairman there. And it's all about linking businesses and networks together for the greater good to generate more funds, more activities to help less fortunate people than ourselves, really. So. That's not just, oh, we want to do it or I want to do it because it's a good thing to do. It's more It's more than that. It's really about giving back and helping people because what goes around comes around in this world. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really, you know, admirable and, and inspiring. And I guess you've, you've kind of touched on um, a, a couple of points in terms of how you, you know, a, approached your career. What would you say are the key kind of lessons or or takeaways that that you can share with the audience? I really would say to people to really dig deep and be confident, really be confident in what you do and what you think. It's like going for an interview. Go to the interview prepared, over-prepare yourself, go with confidence, write down questions and refer to those questions. Look, be seen to be organised and make the effort. If you make the effort and you do the preparation in everything you do in your life, you will end up with a better situation than if you didn't. And the amount of young people that I've sat in front of over the years, and I say to them, what do you think you want to do? And a lot of people say to me, I don't really know. And I says, well, you do know what you want to do. They look at me gone out. And the next question is, well, if you ask yourself the question, what are your key interests? You can answer that question and they do. So then you need to align your key interests and your desires and wants and needs to careers. And if you start to try and join the two together, then before you know it, you have got some answers in terms of what you really might want to do as a career. Yeah, absolutely. And are there any, I guess, in terms of the advice that you give to them, is there any tools or or resources that maybe you've used throughout your career that you'd recommend? I would. I mean, my biggest skill set I mean I'm an engineer through and through but my primary skill that I would now I'm now going to be confident not arrogant there is a difference is that I am I know that I am really 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 good at program management really good at it now program management it enables me to do everything I need to do and excel in any sector I've gone into that's medical that's marine that's rail and that's automotive. That is the key thing that joins it all together for me. So if people can use the tools and apply the tools, 
that exist in program management and that what is that so that's the ability to plan that's the ability to understand what the critical paths are for things that's the ability to look at not just plans but link them up with commercials so that you actually know there's a business case and a reason for doing things and the time around actually fulfilling those requirements and those deadlines if you're hard about delivering to deadlines yourself then you're a good leader to actually then expect other people to work with you to your collective plans when you're applying them in the work environment. Yeah, and I guess on the, the programme management side of things, how did you get to, to where you are from a skill set point of view from programme management? From a skill set point of view, I would plan out my three-year requirements, and that might be a degree, it might be retraining, both at work and also uh, academic and then I would use program management skills to actually break that down into how I was going to actually achieve that and it sounds very robotic and maybe that's because I'm an engineer and then if I go off track I then would say to myself well how do I bring myself back on track if there's some circumstances that have arisen that have not gone to plan and, and that happens all the time so Program management in terms of that life plan, I've used the skills from program management in terms of timing plans and key milestones throughout all of my life, even in my personal life. And you might say, oh, how sad is that? But that's how I think. I think straight lines. Yeah, excellent. How, how do you feel that's worked, I guess, in your personal life? I think it's. I have more of a difficulty with sailing the ship in my personal life than I do at work. And I think over time, there's so many different things in your personal lives and people can look at you quite strange. So you have to be you have to be mindful that you don't become a total robot. I find it more difficult, as I've said, I've I've managed to do that. And, you know, I've used the tool sets of using that to acquire different properties, different other things outside of work. But when it gets down to children, relationships and everything else, it's a lot more complicated and I'm no expert at any of that. Brilliant. And I guess looking forward, thinking about kind of progression for the future, how do you think your industry will, will progress? Our industry and the sectors that I'm in will definitely progress. Once we get out of COVID, we are going through currently, and this will accelerate, the biggest industrial revolution known to man, and that is all things electric, all things autonomous. That will be with us for quite a number of years to come. So that's very, very exciting. It drives technology all the way through and it encourages the need for the best people to come into this sector. So now is the time to actually, after we get through COVID, to really seriously think about getting into the automotive sector and anything to do with transportation because it is really exciting place to be in. And it really is the things that we're we're going to be seeing. It's going to be mind blowing. I think it's really really exciting. How do you think? I guess the in terms of the skill sets on on the market available. How do you think that will be impacted? And how do you think that will I guess cope with with what's to come? What we're doing with Dasso, who are a big software design house, they do the design license software applications and we we supply the the technical experts so to, together there's a massive symmetry so 
we are very much into developing the requirement for the future for the resources, the engineers, design engineers, and the software houses are also doing things in tandem. And you see that with Google, with Amazon and Dan Dan. So the schools and the universities, once we get through COVID, I think are going to be inundated with supporting the new world with regards to 4.0. And that's going to become more and more accelerated as I said, touched on earlier with working from home, but the virtual world and the ability to actually work, for example, in the West Midlands and surrounding areas, but do work for clients in America, but do it working from home. So it is really going to increase the requirement for growth in and around this area, because what we are good at in the UK is Our IP, fundamentally, we are really good at design and innovation. Innovation and innovation, we we excel at as a service. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like you said, I mean, the landscape has changed massively, obviously, hasn't it, due to to COVID with the the work from home situation. But, I mean, from what I've seen, it only seems to be in a a positive way. People are becoming a lot more flexible. And I think there's a lot of people out there that have been, I guess, surprised or, well, not necessarily surprised, but it's proven what can be done working from home. It is. And I, I think I've got to say the older generation would have, I'm generalising now, would have been, and I, and I definitely was would, would think like this, would have been dead against the mainstead of people working from home. They would have been traditionally mistrust. But once you get what we've got through, we now trust. We see how good the teams really are and the people and you know what it actually people prefer it and people like the idea of having more flexibility and there's a win-win yeah absolutely i couldn't agree more fantastic well it sounds like there's lots of exciting things on the horizon finally there's been some really great kind of nuggets and and bits of advice through this that, that have come out if you were to give one piece of advice to someone that's looking to get in the industry into the industry at the moment what what would that be i'll come back to prepare plan and practice that they're my three p's they are and keep trying keep pushing the ingredients that are in my cake are really simplistic but if you push them hard enough and you have the desire i keep saying desire I look at other peers that have, that were sort of doing similar things at the time throughout my career, and every one of them has dropped away by the wayside. Every one of them has. They couldn't keep going with regards to working, working, working. That's not just working in the day, it's working at night, and that's working for sustained periods of time. Not everyone wants to do that. Maybe I'm strange, but you come out of it, you know, you've got to be a driven person going in and coming out yeah, that's when I say that I wouldn't want to retire. People say, well, that's stupid. But no, I don't want to retire. I need to work because I love it. I absolutely love it. Excellent. And if you love it, then you never work a day in your life. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. It's like if I could have been a professional footballer and, and age wasn't an issue, then you'd do that all your life, wouldn't you? Because you love it. Yeah, Absolutely. Oh, brilliant. Well, well, thank you so much, Peter, for, for joining us today and, and taking the time to speak with me. It was really great to, to hear your progression journey and your story. So thank you so much. It's a big pleasure. And, and I hope that my words help people. And if, you know, if I can help any more, then I'm that sort of person that will always help where I can. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Progressing Lives Everywhere, brought to you by Amoria Bond. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please be sure to subscribe, like, and leave a review. Every time you do, it helps others find the podcast. For more information on Amoria Bond's specialist services and to access the podcast show notes, head over to amoriabond.com. Join us next time as we continue to progress lives everywhere.